Have you ever had a situation that you couldn't recover from? For me, it was several years ago, and I was on my couch contemplating whether or not I should go to the gym because in my head, I'm like, it's leg day. There's no way that I want to go to the gym right now. So finally, I find the courage. I get in my car, and I drive to the gym. And uh, I, I park, and I start walking, and I'm trying to get ready. I'm getting my headphones, and this door opens up, and I hear my name. Noah, is that you? And I look up, and it's a friend that I went to high school with. I hadn't seen her in years, and we just start talking. She's talking about her family. I'm talking about my family, and, and uh, we're, just, we're just having a blast, and it's, it's been a really long time. And then it happened. I asked the question that I could not recover from. I said, oh, when are you due? And she's mortified. She looks up and says, oh! I'm not pregnant. We've been in a series called Skeptics Wanted, and uh, tonight's the last night. We've been really digging into some of the questions that a lot of people have about Christianity, some of the questions that have actually kept people from uh, choosing Christianity or choosing uh, cho choosing Jesus. And first week we had Pastor Chuck come in and he, he talked about uh, the problem with God and, and really brought some perspective on the Bible and how reliable it is and the reality of God. And the second week I talked about uh, uh, pain and suffering. And um, and then afterwards, we uh, the, the week after that, last week actually, I talked about this idea of exclusivity because a lot of people struggle with that. Why is it that Christians say that Jesus is the only way. And, and if you haven't heard the series or if it's your first time, I'm so glad you're with us. You can go back and, and look on Spotify and go on our podcast and you can listen to it that way. Uh, but I believe that the church should be the safest, uh, the safest place for us to bring our questions uh, and bring our doubts. Why? Because God can handle our doubts and our questions. Uh, and if we try to discover truth, we're going to find the truth. And it's important for us to think about our faith and think through our faith. Um, so tonight, I really want to talk about what I believe is one of the most important misconceptions about um, this question that's often asked of us, and it's this question right behind me. Many some of you guys, uh, uh, some of you guys might have thought it or believed it, but is why is God anti-sex? Why is it that he's against it and he's not for it? Because believe it or not, many people today see God and the Bible against sex. But I want you to think about something. We could fully recover from just about any kind of dumb decision that we make in life. Isn't that true? I mean, if you have a financial disaster, that's cool. You could, you could fully recover eventually if you save and spend less. and uh, you, could, you can recover from that. Uh, you fail at school, you could go to summer school or take extra classes and, and retake, your, uh, uh, retake that class. Or However, you could, you could recover from that. You get fired from work. Okay, no big deal. I could find another job, put out a resume, and, um, and, and, I'll, and I'll recover it. I'll, I'll recover from it. But when people come and cross the line when it comes to their sexuality, there are things that are almost impossible to recover from. There are things that we carry with us for the rest of our lives. There's guilt, there's shame, and unfortunately for some people, there are STDs that never go away. And I, I want to debunk uh, one of the myths that I've heard out there. Some people would say, okay, well, yeah, you have to say that you're a pastor. 
Jesus, right? But there's a myth out there, and then people say, come on, sex, sex is only physical. And, and I want to put a disclaimer out there because I often, I often feel like I'm, I'm redundant when it comes to this topic, but I don't know that we could talk about it enough. And I've been asked to share some of the principles that I've brought back, uh, I've brought up in the past, and I think they're, they're relevant today, and they'll always be relevant. But a lot of people have this mindset when it comes to the idea of sex. Our culture, they say that having sex is just physical. I mean, come on, pastor, we, we got to test drive the car. I got to make sure she or he's compatible, right? It's, it's no big deal. I, I don't even know her name. It was, it was a one-night stand. And uh, what about this one? I hear this often in a lot of circles. Well, we're just friends with benefits. You know, no strings attached. There's, no, there's nothing. No, I mean, come on, it's consensual. We're, we're not doing anything wrong. It's natural. It's like eating and brushing our teeth. Right? So here's a question that I want to propose to us tonight. If sex is only physical, then why is it that Sexual abuse is so damaging. If it's only physical, then why is it so painful? Why are there so many broken homes over divorce and cheating and this idea of sex? Why is there so much emotional hurt and pain? And isn't it true that for a lot of us, some of our biggest regrets have come from this idea of sex, the decisions that we've made in that context? If it's, if it's only physical, why is it that oftentimes we struggle when we're about to tell the person that we're going to marry how many partners we've been with? So it's not, it's not only physical. I think uh, we can clap, that's okay, that's church, and we can get excited. But it's true, like none, none of us woke up one day and said, man, I've, uh, uh, you look at the person you're going to marry, you're like, I've had over 50 partners, and it was awesome. You're 51. No, that we struggle with that truth. I'm, I'm just saying. And uh, no, it's, it's something so much deeper than that. So why is God anti-sex? He's not anti-sex. He's anti-hurt. And he wants the best for you. So when it comes to this idea of sex, I want to dig into three truths. There's so many more. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians uh, for the majority of uh, two places. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Genesis chapter 2. If you're brand new or if you have your Bibles, Genesis is the first book in the Bible. Uh, you go to the New Testament and you can find 1 Corinthians. It's towards the back. I want to go to God in prayer. I'm hoping that today we're just enlightened about this idea of, uh, of the sex thing and that, uh, that God brings some clarity through all of it. Uh, Father, I thank you and I praise you for everyone that you brought tonight. I ask God that uh, you would just make yourself known on a topic that's so real, but at times could be so painful. And I pray that tonight people would just leave here with hope and that we'd have our eyes open, God, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... So here's the first truth. Point number one is we need to understand that God actually created sex. 
He's not anti-sex. He created it. Genesis chapter 2, a beautiful picture of a, of a father bringing his little girl, first picture of marriage of a father walking his little girl down the aisle, presenting Eve to Adam. Uh, he said that his creation was good. The only thing in creation that wasn't good was for man to be alone, and he creates woman. And then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, uh, this is what the scriptures say. It says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, hey, and not ashamed. So much more than third base, so much more than kissing. And when we do it in the context that God originally created it, in the context of marriage, there will be no disappointment, there will be no shame. Because it says that there were, they were naked and not ashamed. And I want you to know something tonight if you're brand new to this or maybe uh, you're coming back or, or you've been here for a long time. There's a God in heaven who loves you, who's for you. The same God that created the universe, the moons, the stars, and everything in it and the earth and, uh, and everything we see with our, with our own eyes. I want you to understand something. He created all of it. He also created your sexuality. He also uh, uh, designed sex, and he knows how it works. In other words, sex was God's idea, all right? He created orgasms. I don't know about you, but that's an awesome God. You're like, man, can I talk about that at church? Absolutely, we could talk about that at church because he was the creator. Some of you guys are uncomfortable now because you're like, man, we could talk about anything at church, but when it comes to sex, uh, you better calm down, pastor, right? Um, I'm just saying, but here's the thing, uh, people struggle with their sexual feelings and they feel bad because they feel like holy people shouldn't feel sexual. Boo, <laughs> right? Um, but what, what we need to understand that our sexuality is part of our humanity. And a lot of us, we associate sex with guilt, Right? And I know for a lot of us, we've prayed, God, God, take this away, take this away, take this away. Why do I still struggle? Why do I have all the feels? Take them away. You see, God takes away shame and guilt. He does not take away your humanity. And you and I were created to be sexual. And, and if I'm honest, the church hasn't done a great job in explaining this, right? Oh, sex is bad. It's perverted. Uh, you can't just stay away. Save that for the person you love. Really? And then we wonder why we're confused. Like, oh, and, and, then, and then you get married and you're doing the nasties and you're just confused. And, and you're like, oh, I've been told my whole life this is wrong. Is, is this okay? And, and we, don't, we don't teach people that sexuality is God's idea and that it's okay. He's not going to take your hormones away, but he'll tell you how to direct them to a better source. Amen? And what we need to understand is that this idea of sex is actually a gift from God. But like any other thing that we read in the scriptures that's for our enjoyment, when it's taken out of its intended context, out of its biblical context, it becomes ruined. And it leads to some of the greatest pains and some of the greatest regrets. And our problem here is that sex has been drastically removed from its intended context. This is why there's shame. This is why there's insecurity. I mean, come on, how much turmoil and hardship have we had because we've lived outside of God's intended will in this area? 
According to statistics, it says that half of this room comes from divorced families. That's what statistics say. Uh, Human trafficking, if you look at that, there's 20.9 million adults and children who are brought and sold worldwide into commercial sex and serving and forced labor and bonded labor. That's 20.9 million. That's a high number. Pornography, 92 billion are engaged in pornography. It says that 90% of young men under the age of 18 have seen porn along with 60% of young women. And I know that some of us were like, well, I need to find an outlet somewhere. Porn's not a big deal. That's my outlet. It doesn't harm anything. Guys, I want to tell you that there's so much research outside of the church that states otherwise. That's not true. Every image that we see is attached to a person that was created in the image of God. And... Psychology today is actually, and, and, and uh, science is actually telling us that, that, uh, that porn actually changes your brain. Uh, there's a Dr. Simon from a university in Montreal. Uh, I think that's how you say it. Uh, Montreal, I don't have the accent to say it, but um, they, they were looking for men under 20 to really do a case study uh, on those that have never looked at porn before, and they couldn't find any. Not one person. And they're stating that, um, that one of the reasons for sexual dysfunction is because of porn. Why? Because a lot of men and women now struggle to be aroused because they look at pornography and they think that that's how sex is supposed to be in real life. In other words, what they're saying is that the actual real thing is boring. And, you're, and, we're, and we think that, that porn doesn't affect us. And if you think about it, now no human being can measure up to that standard because it's all fake. And we've done something to our sexuality that God never intended us to do. But if we're honest, whenever it comes to pornography and sex outside of marriage, it's always selfish. Why? Because porn makes it about you and what you can get out of it, right? Sex outside of marriage is, hey, I'm, 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 it's what I get out of it. But when you're married, it's a commitment and, and if you look at the context of marriage, man, I, 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 uh, uh, I just I want to enlighten you with something because it's, it's about the other person. And you're so used to and programmed to make it about yourself that when you go into marriage, you actually struggle with it. And marriages struggle because of it. And if you think getting married is going to take that away, let me tell you something, it doesn't. Those images can haunt you for the rest of your life. So we'd all, we would all agree that something's not working, right? While culture is saying, uh, come on, man, it's only physical, something's not working. If we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the apostle Paul, he deals with this, this issue head on. He, uh, if you don't know who he is, he was a church planner of his day, a theologian, he was a writer, and, and he started making an impact in his known world. He reaches this city called Corinth. Now, Corinth is... Uh, let's just think of Las Vegas on steroids. It actually made Las Vegas look awesome, right? And, and they had a saying that if you had zero morale, you were Corinthianizing, uh, you, uh, you were one of them, right? There, uh, today's equivalent would be what happens in Vegas? Say it again. What happens in Vegas? Stays in Vegas. And, and that was their mindset. And, uh, and, and Paul begins to write this 
uh, this letter to this church. He knew their context, and he is addressing a number of sexual problems that had entered the church. He's dealing with orgies. What? In the church? People sleeping with their stepmothers? And they, they had this mindset, come on, it's only physical, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's in the Bible. Read it, guys. <laughs> you know, blow it off. It's, it's kind of awesome when you begin to read, like, what the heck? What kind of church was that, right? Um, and they would say, come on, come on, it's only physical. And Paul's saying, you don't understand the power and purpose of sex. It's not only physical. Yes, God created it, point number one, but he also gave us some boundaries to live by. So this leads me to my second point. And I'm going to say it twice because I think we need to write this down. We, uh, for some of us, when we think of boundaries, we think it might be restricting, right? But point number two, the presence of boundaries is not the absence of freedom. The presence of boundaries is not the absence of freedom. Paul had taught the Corinthians, we have so much freedom in Christ. You're no longer tied to the law, and Christ sets you free. But they took it uh, to a whole nother level. I mean, come on. You guys have probably heard your friends say this. Come on, Pastor. We're saved by grace. Right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I do. God's grace is never ending. Yeah, that might be true. But look at what Paul addresses to them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, uh, if you see anything in quotes on that, that meant that the Corinthians were actually asking this question, and Paul was responding to their question. So it says, you say, quote, I am allowed to do anything, unquote, right? So the Corinthians were saying, I could do anything I want. And then Paul says, but not everything's good for you. And even though, quote, I'm allowed to do anything, unquote, I must not become a slave to anything. Yeah, you have a lot of freedom, but don't be enslaved. And with your freedom comes a whole lot of responsibility. And he goes on to write verse 13. Another thing that they, that they coined, they were saying, man, food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. In other words, it has its natural function. Uh, food, uh, my stomach is for eating. Food is for the stomach. I have an appetite. Isn't it the same with my sexuality? I have an appetite. I got to let it do its thing. And I got to get it my way. Look at what Paul says. This is true. Someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. That's not the purpose for them. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. Think about that. They had this mindset that the spirit and your body were two separate things, and it didn't matter what you did with your body. You could gratify uh, the desires all you wanted because your spirit wasn't tainted. Paul's like, no, 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 hold on. God actually cares about your body and what you're doing with them. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. Verse 14, and God will raise us up from the dead by his power just as he raised our lord from the dead freedom for paul was pursuing what was best yeah there's a lot of freedom that we have in the lord but paul says be careful because it's not just physical mark clark in his book a problem for god he quotes this he says god is commonly seen as the one who restricts us limiting what we can do and cannot do. And it's not difficult to see why people believe that God does not like or encourage sexual activity. So they reject him. As we will see, this couldn't be further from the truth. Paul's like, we have a lot of freedom, but isn't it true a lot of us are enslaved now? 
None of us ever opened up that computer screen or the iPhone and said, man, this is awesome, and said, I want to be addicted for, uh, to this for the rest of my life. But we're enslaved. Right? Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. In other words, don't do anything. And the question that the filter that you and I have to uh, view everything through is, is am, I, am I enslaved to this? Am I giving in to my desires or am I going to a better source? My point is this. God is no way less loving, less gracious, less merciful by setting down boundaries by which we are to live. I want you to think about any society. Would you agree that the rules of society are not meant to bind people but to protect them? Could you imagine if everybody did as they pleased? What would happen? It would be chaotic, and some people already do. I mean, just go down the freeway for a little bit. I'm just saying, how many of you guys actually keep the speed limit? No, but if that boundary wasn't there, I guarantee you we'd be going like 100 miles an hour. I need to get there. I need to get there. I need to get there, right? They're all there to protect us. This is where I'm going with this. God put boundaries for our benefit. Amen? Um, So would you, would you consider me a good parent if, um, if I didn't put any boundaries down for Selah? If I told her, do it, you could have Cheerios all day long. And it doesn't matter what you do to your friends. Go ahead and beat them up. You're okay. You know, no, nothing. You know, you, you, could, you could be selfish. And uh, you guys would say I was a horrible parent. No one in their right mind. I mean, we live in an age where you would call CPS right away. I mean, oh, my gosh, look at what he's doing. He'll, she only has one socks on. You, you got to call CPS right now. Call CPS for everything, right? You guys would say, no, boundaries are needed for other people, not for us, though, because that's typically our mindset. Oh, yeah, those boundaries, and, and I want you to think about it. I'm going to go here. Um, when it comes to the area of sexuality, you would say, I would never want my siblings to be a part of that. I would never want my kids to be a part of that. And we say it applies to all them, but when it comes to us, oh, I'm okay. I just don't want them to be a part of it, right? But God set boundaries for our benefit. What does that look like? When I understood the context of this, I had to put a lot of boundaries up in my life because I wanted to make sure that I waited for my wife. Although that I wasn't pure when we got married, I, there came a moment in my life where I said, you know what? I could be pure from today on, from today forward. And... Um, and when we were dating, I had to put boundaries up. I remember, and I've shared this with a lot of you guys before, if you've been a part of SIA for a while, and you might call me prude. You might say that's over the top, but uh, her and I, we got to a, place where we, uh, to a place where we would kiss, you know, and things would get a little heated. And I'm like, whoa, hold on, I can't, I can't do that. And she didn't understand it in the moment. I said, I, I just, I, I, my mind's going places that it doesn't need to go. And I'm already dishonoring you here. And I let her know that I just wanted to put a boundary up and I needed to be careful because I knew my sexuality. And she didn't understand it. I said, Viv, you don't get it. I'm extremely attracted to you, okay? <laughs> and what goes on in here is like, I, I, I want to take your clothes off. That's not okay. You're not my wife. And I want to wait. And we did. And then... I said, maybe when we're engaged, we could revisit that. And then she pulls one on me, and we get engaged. She goes, you know what? We waited this long. Let's wait till we're married. I'm like, what? 
are you kidding me? Are you for reals right now? Okay, you know, and what I didn't know, guys, this is so, so vital. And uh, I didn't know this, but she told me a while ago, she said, you know what? I didn't know that I was actually investing in the relationship by putting up boundaries. And she said, because you kept me pure before marriage, I know you have self-control and I don't have to worry about that. And there was this trust that was developed. And I was like, that's mind-blowing. I, I, I just wanted to make sure that we, I kept you safe and, and that I stayed, you know what I mean? And, and, and we began to invest and, and it became so powerful. And I know I'm susceptible and I, I, anyone can fall. So I still have boundaries up today. Uh, you'll, you won't see me driving alone with a woman. You won't see me behind closed doors with a woman. And I, that's just, the, the thing that I told my wife, I, I told her, if you ever have to ask me if there's something going on with me and someone else and I've already failed you. I don't even want to, I didn't ever, I ever want that thought to enter your mind. Uh, Sawyer and I talked earlier, and, and he has, I, and this, this is something that I admired about him. He has boundaries. He understands himself, and he doesn't want to fall into the area of pornography or any of that. He says, hey, I want to make sure I'm accountable. And he put boundaries up. There were things he put in place so that he didn't cross the line. Why? Because he understands the ramifications of it. And uh, we, just, we just need to make sure that we put up clear boundaries. Amen. Verse 16, Paul says, do you not know that he who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says the two shall become one flesh. Wait, why is he calling people prostitutes? You're like, Pastor, you're going far. I'm, she's not a prostitute. We're just hooking up. And Paul goes, don't you know? But the Corinthians did not know. In their culture, this was the norm. A married guy could tell his wife, hey, I'm going to the temple up the street. I'll be right back. And they would go to the temple and they'd put some money in, sing a couple songs, and they would sleep with the prostitute. That was okay in their culture. And they would do it. And Paul said, whoa, 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 wait. Don't you know that you're making yourself one with them? And in our culture, we say that sex is just physical. Paul's saying, hold on. Go like this. Say, time out. Let's do this together. Time out. He's saying, put the emoji hand right here. Hello. <laughs> He's saying, your sex is not just physical. That's not true. It's so much bigger than that. It's intimate. And he quotes from, from Genesis. He says, the two shall become one flesh. And what's so profound to me that sex is not only for our enjoyment, as awesome as that is, and I know it's only temporary, but uh, what I'm saying is that he quotes this, and the word for one, the word to know someone is the word yada. It means to come to know them in an intimate way. It's the deepest form of communication. So sex was, uh, uh, sex was created so that we can communicate with our partner in a deeper level. When I do weddings, I always share that it's not only physically, but it's emotionally and spiritually as well that you become one with that person. And Paul's saying, hello, hold on. Guys, you need to understand that it's so much deeper than the physical act itself. Why? Because you're opening up your soul and you're messing with it. And over the last hundred years, we've seen a lot of study prove this to be true. And I'm going to get to that in a moment. This is my third point and my final point. 
because of this, that we need to understand that sex is not just physical. Uh, point number three, we need to flee and not flirt. And I'm saying you can't flirt with your girl, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But is it, isn't it true that we like to flirt with a line? And I hear a lot about, well, where's the line? What can I do before I get married? How far can I go? We need to flee and not flirt, okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee, as in run really fast in the opposite direction. <laughs> flee from sexual immorality. What is sexual immorality? It's having sex with anyone who's not your husband or your wife. Paul doesn't say don't resist, don't try to reason, don't try to flirt with it. He says flee. As if I'm terrified about this. And the problem with this, I think today, the reason that we don't flee is because we don't fear it. Have you guys ever had to run away from something? You know, when I was younger, I'm reminded of a story that I think it came up earlier. But when I was younger, my... Uh, my dad had his way of disciplining us. Uh, he would be in jail today if, uh, uh, if he still did it that way. But uh, I remember we were younger, and my younger brother gets in trouble, okay? And I used to bust up every time someone got in trouble outside of me. But um, my younger brother sees my dad taking his belt off. And, and if you're Hispanic, you know what I'm talking about, okay? Because that thing is like, man, my mom hit me with a cord of the iron once, and that thing, I, I let out like a silent... I had a welt, and it was just horrible, you know? And I, man, it, it just hurt. My, my dad's taking his belt off, and my younger brother, poof, he books. And my, my dad goes, Simon's kid, and he grabs, a, he grabs a brick, no joke, and he throws it. And I'll hear my brother go, ugh. <laughs> and I'm dying, you know? And, and he tried to avoid it, and he couldn't do it. Paul's saying, that's the way I want you to run. I want you to run away from it because it's so much more than just physical. Verse 18. Verse 18, he says, all other sins. That's why we need counseling. No, um, <laughs> so true. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> uh, all other sins a person commits are outside of the body. We all understand that. They're outside of the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Paul saying, all other sin is in a different category, guys. And sex has its own category. And the why has nothing to do with unwanted pregnancies or unwanted diseases. Why? Because when we sin sexually, we hurt ourselves. And God is for you and he cares about you. There's a scientific, 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 uh, scientific studies that, uh, <laughs> uh, where am I going with this tonight, man? Um, there are scientific studies today that, that talk about this idea that when you, and we could be, we're, we're all grown adults, okay, when you have intercourse, that there are billions of sperm that go inside of a woman. Where do they go? If they don't make the cut, if they don't penetrate the egg, then what happens to the rest of them? Do they kind of just hang out and say, oh, we didn't make it? No, it says that what, what studies are showing us is that your DNA actually becomes part of the other person. Crazy, right? Only showcasing what the Bible already said to be true. That you become one with the other person. And it's so much more than just physical. 
And I had this enlightening moment years ago where it made me emotional because our, our culture screams one thing and God screams another. And if you look at the biological makeup of a woman, there was a certain way that God created her. And God is a God of covenant, okay? Old Testament and uh, Old Testament, whenever there was a covenant, there, was, uh, there needed to be a pure sacrifice and it required blood. New Testament, you have the ultimate purest sacrifice, which is who? Jesus Christ himself. Could it be? That because God is a God of covenant, that when it came to the marriage covenant, he required blood? In the biological makeup of a woman, they have a thing called a hymen, all right? Studies say that there's no reason for it. It's there, and then it's not there. And could it be that God, in his original design, created marriage to be one man, one woman, one lifetime, and it was supposed to be a covenant? You see, Jewish people, they weren't considered married until they actually did their thing. Talk about awkward and pressure, okay? They celebrate for a week. They got the whole wedding party outside of a tent, and they're all waiting. No joke. This is true. They would wait, and the guy would come out with a sheet and say, ta-da, we're done. Praise God we don't live in that culture anymore, right? I'm just saying, but... Could it be that it was such a pure thing? It's supposed to be beautiful. But now, because it's taken out of its context, there's shame and guilt. And what we need to understand, guys, is that practice doesn't make perfect. Practice brings insecurity. He goes on to say, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, do you not know, no, they didn't know, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, that you're not your own, for you've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. What, what, what Paul's getting at is, guys, you don't understand that the very Spirit of God lives inside of you, and every single time you cross the line, you're inviting God's Spirit to be a part of that situation. If you're a Christ follower, and you've chosen, chosen to, dis, uh, if you decided to follow Jesus and you have the spirit of God inside of you, it says that we force God's spirit to be a part of something he was never meant to be a part of because he lives inside of you. And you become one with the other person emotionally, spiritually, and physically. You see how this is so much bigger than our partner not finding out that we're cheating? So much bigger than an STD so much bigger than the physical act itself. God's like, no, 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 hold on, I care about your body. And instead of asking how far can I go, we should ask a bolder question, how can I honor God with my body? Romans chapter 12 says to give your entire body as a living sacrifice to God. In other words, you don't belong to yourself anymore. There's going to be a resurrection and God's gonna resurrect our bodies. So what can we learn? It's God's will that we treat our sexuality and our sexual intimacy with care. I'm gonna end with this passage. I'm gonna quote my friend Doug after, okay? First Thessalonians chapter four, verse three. You guys with me? You could read behind me. It says, for this is the will of God. How many of you guys ever prayed? What, what's God's will? I wanna know God's will for my life. Any, any, anyone in here? How do I know his will? What do I do? Paul says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. How many of you guys said this morning, oh, I wanna be sanctified today? It means your continuous growth in the Lord, that you would become more and more like him. That's all that means. 
when God saved you, he didn't leave you the way you were. There's a process that takes place. A lot of us thought that it was going to be like magic. Boom, all your struggles are gone. Uh-uh, no, he said, you're going to continue to be sanctified daily. That is, that you would abstain, refrain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess, possess his own vessel, your own body, in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. In other words, if you're a Christ follower, stop acting like the culture and ask yourself the bold question, how do I honor God with my body? Pastor Doug said it this way. You need to understand that your body is the temple. And after you're married, it could be the temple and the playground. <laughs> it's not how he said it, huh? That was close. He said it, your body is the temple, not the playground. But after you're married, you got the point. Um, <laughs> think about this. This is so much fun. I love that we get to be real at church. The one thing that God gave you control over is your body. And every single day, you got to ask the bold question, how can I honor God with my body? How can I honor the Lord with my body? Because sex is about love, created, about, created by a God who loves you and gave everything so that later you would be able to experience life-giving relationships. I know that for some of us in here today, um, when it comes to this area of our life, we've already crossed the line. And you're like, what am I supposed to do now? I haven't been pure, Pastor. Well, you can start today. You could mark your calendar this day forward to say, you know what? This is the day that I made the decision at CYA to remain pure for the rest of my life or until <laughs> I met my partner. <laughs> Some of you guys, the rest of my life, I'm not doing that and I'm not praying that. <laughs> but today is a day that I made the decision. Why? Because the Bible says that anyone who's in Christ Jesus is a new creation. He can restore you. Maybe some of you guys are sitting in here tonight. You're like, well, that decision was made for me. It wasn't made by me. And I want you to know that that was not God's will for your life. God can redeem you and restore you. And he cares for you deeply. And he doesn't want you sitting in that pain any longer. And he wants you to know that you're his child. He wants to bring hope into your life. Maybe some of you guys are in here tonight and um, porn might be your thing. You know, I mean, statistics say that the majority, if not all of this generation, is actively engaging in porn right now. Why not talk about it? If it's a struggle for you, we have Set Free, a ministry called Set Free that you guys could engage in. And... Um, and go find hope and talk to people that get it and have found freedom in that area of their lives. We want to be a resource to be able to help people. Um, but what we need to understand is that God created us, created sex, created our sexuality, and we should not be ashamed of that. And he desires you to experience it in a way that's so fulfilling, so life-giving. Um, but the only way that you and I, and I share this in wedding ceremonies all the time, the only way that you and I can experience the fullness of what he had is to be in a right relationship with Jesus because it's only possible for those who are walking with the Lord. 
if you want to experience it spiritually, emotionally, and um, on, on that aspect of it, because the physical, man, is so much more than physical as we see. So tonight, I want to I wanna take a moment and I want to pray. I want the Lord to really make himself known in the building. And um, if, if some of you guys aren't right with the Lord or need to come back to him or need to come to him for the first time, I want to create a safe place for you guys to be able to respond during this time. Uh, Father, I praise you and I thank you for everyone that came tonight. I ask God that you would just make yourself known. God, uh, I know that this is a struggle for so many people. And with a room this size, I believe that there's a lot of people that are afraid to talk about it. Because at one point they did talk about it and everyone found out. Or maybe, Lord, uh, there is a person in here tonight, God, who she's been struggling because for her whole life she's been defined by what happened to her. And even me talking about the subject tonight made her cringe inside. It made her full of anxiety, God. I pray that she would know that you hear her and know her and that you want to set her free, God. I pray for those that have never walked into a real relationship with you, Jesus, that you would truly, truly awaken their spirit and allow them to know that you're for them, God, that, uh, uh, that, that, that everything that you've written, everything that you've done, everything that you've given us was for our benefit, God, and that you desire to bless them with a rich and a satisfying life. God, I pray that freedom would reign in the place tonight, God. I pray that you would remove porn addiction, God, that you would remove uh, any any hindrance that people uh, might be caught up in, God. Maybe, maybe it wasn't even a sexual addiction, God, but there's so many other things that are going on in people's lives tonight. I pray that you would bring freedom over them tonight, God, that just make yourself known. God, uh, I ask for those that are hurting, for the guy in here that was the one that actually inflicted pain on someone else, God, I pray that tonight you would allow them to know that you could restore them, that you could redeem them. I pray that you would touch them now, God, that it would be so overwhelming, Father, that they uh, wouldn't be able to doubt that it's you that's calling them. For the hurting and broken, God, I pray that you'd fulfill your promise that you say you draw near to the brokenhearted. Right now, with everyone's eyes closed, if you're right with God, do me a favor, pray for those around you. Tonight, we covered a lot of ground. Maybe, maybe for some of you guys, the topic wasn't your area of struggle. Maybe it was something else and your relationship with God isn't right. Or maybe it was. What I like to do right now is I'd like to invite you to either start a relationship with Jesus, come back to a relationship with Jesus, or be baptized by your own choice. How do we do that? We do that by praying a prayer of dedication, meaning that we talk to God and let him know that we want a life with him and that we want to start following him in his ways. So right now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead you through that prayer, but I want to know who's praying with me. So will you do me a favor, if that's you tonight, if you want to come to him for the first time, if you want to come back to him, or if you want to get baptized by your own choice, do me a favor and just raise your hand right where you're at. Praise God for you and for you. Just raise your hand right where you're at. Praise God for you and for you. Actually, I'm going to ask you guys to do something bold. Why don't you stand right where you're at? Because we're going to pray a prayer together, right? Just stand up right where you're at. 
that's you making a decision, go ahead and just stand up. I'll give it a few moments. Just stand up. Don't be concerned about what people are going to think around you. Just stand up right where you're at. This is between you and God at this moment. Just stand up right where you're at. If you're right with God, pray for those around you because I'm not sure that he's done in the building. I believe that there's still people in here for one reason. Um, you, you feel like your heart's about to explode. That's the Holy Spirit. He says he stands at the door and he knocks. If anyone hears his voice and opens a door, he'll come into you and he'll meet you right where you're at. And it says that he'll dine with you. He'll fellowship with you. Right now, if that's you, just stand right where you're at. All right, church, let's, uh, let's do this. Why don't we join them in a prayer of dedication? We're gonna pray out loud. And then after we pray, I'm gonna ask you guys to do something bold. When we stand up to worship God, I'd like you to just make your way into one of the aisles, come up here to the front, greet one of us and make your way over to our living room. Our leaders, they wanna give you a Bible. They wanna give you some material so that you can continue to grow in your walk with Christ. But something happens when we do that. So right now, church, let's pray with them. Repeat these words, say, Father God, I know that you love me. And I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me, to forgive me of all of my sin, and to heal me of all of my hurt. Right now, I say yes to you. I ask that you'd fill me with your love and that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. I give you my life, and I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's praise God for all the decisions.